Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. This is an Irish independent podcast. There's no way there's not a few things that people need to get off their chest in that Ulster team. You know, there'll be people who are furious, the people who are... There will be stuff that, that I think will have built up over the last couple of weeks that need to sort out. And the only way you can do that is really amongst yourselves. Because you, it's quite clear to me that Dan has done a very good job up there. So I think it's on the players now to have a look internally and, and say, like, why aren't we achieving what we need to achieve? We always did those, those player meetings nearly at the breaks in the season maybe when we kind of came back from say international breaks and at the start of the season when we kind of were when all the internationals were back in and we were kind of goal setting for the year so I think there's probably a bit of value maybe the Ulster guys thinking about doing something like that We are just two weekends into this season's Champions Cup campaign but already we have no shortage of talking points on Friday Leinster made it 10 points from 10 with a demolition of Gloucester Munster dug out an impressive away win in Northampton on Sunday, while on Saturday Ulster's defeat to La Rochelle was mired in controversy after the decision was made to move the game to the Aviva Stadium. And while the dust settles on all that, we also have a load of Christmas URC Interpros to look forward to as well. Welcome to the left wing, Will Slattery here, joined by Luke Fitzgerald. And Luke, it's funny, as I mentioned, kind of we're coming up to the halfway point already in the Champions Cup pool stages, even though there's only been two weekends. What's kind of jumped out to you the most across the first two match days? Well, actually, there's been some high-quality rugby, Will. Um, you know, I think the attendances were a little bit, you know, disappointing, I think. Um, you know, and I think there was probably other challenges around that. Obviously, this, you know, last weekend, uh, you know, quite clearly there was a few challenges around the weather. And probably the weekend before, I, I think, was probably impacted on reflection. But I think the rugby's been very good. Um, you know, there's been some ups and downs for the Irish provinces. I think... Um, you know, we probably got through that in, in, in a little bit more detail as we go forward. But uh, overall, I've enjoyed it, Will. I think it's been good rugby. And uh, I think it's a decent start. Like I'm still not sure on the, on the format, as I think most people will agree. It's just a bit of a funny setup, isn't it? it just in terms of getting to the, the qualifying stages. I'm not sure if it really draws you in uh, from a competition format perspective. Um, but I still think, uh, as I said, I, I think it's been good quality, you know. Yeah, just on the format issue, because it kind of ties into the Leinster game, obviously, last Friday. Leinster 57-0 winners, played very well, scored a lot of nice tries, 10 points out of 10. As I mentioned, the top is what they wanted from the first two games. But Gloucester picking the team they picked, like, what, what, what's your stance on it? Obviously, they had already got one win in the competition. They they obviously decided to prioritise premiership matches over Christmas and, and maybe putting out a stronger team when they face Leinster at home. But... It just kind of started the weekend off on a bad note or a bit of a sour note at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I was really disappointed. I was angry about it, actually, to be honest. I think, um, you know, ruined that one. That should be a great game. Like, you know, when you're playing against a top team, um, to send over an outfit like that, I just think it, it was disrespectful to the competition. Um, you know, I don't know how you amend that and how you make them take it more seriously. Um but, uh, you know, you'd like to see them kind of get punished for it down the line. But I'm not sure that's going to be the case, sadly. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, no, look, it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you. Like, I, I lost interest watching the Leinster match once they started really, you know, putting points on the board. Uh, I'm going to be honest about that. I just felt like this is a dead rubber, you know, and uh, the scoreline was, you know, reflected that, you know. And I, and I hate it, you know, from a Leinster perspective, it's very disappointing, you know. And I think from a Leinster supporter's perspective who are going to the game, um, you know, and even from a Gloucester's, Gloucester supporter's perspective, like, you want to watch your team against the best. And I think Leinster are currently right up there. Um, and I think um, did the competition competition a disservice, and I think it took a little bit away from them in my eyes. I, I was I'm, I'm hoping it comes back to bite them in the ass, will to be honest. Yeah, it's a funny one. Like I was in town, you know, at lunchtime on Friday, I saw a couple of Gloucester supporters walking around. You'd think like they made the trip over. Kind of a point I made, I think, before the tournament that you know the away days are so you know such good you know days out weekends away to these cities and these places, and and kind of when you know your team was sent over like 13 changes and a whole host of academy players. Like it, it can't be good for like the relationship between the fan base and the club. Like from your perspective, say you're a senior player in that squad, an international player, and your coach tells you, no, here, we're only sending over the academy guys to Leinster. Like, are you saying, oh, fair enough, I can see his reason. Are you saying this is, you know, BS, like we should be going the whole hog? Like if you're kind of a key guy in that squad, what, what's your kind of your stance on it? Look, I think, you know, if you're being realistic about it, I think, you know, you'd definitely be disappointed. But I also think that maybe it's difficult. Maybe this is an outsider's perspective. I'm trying to put myself in the in the shoes of a player in there. I would definitely be disappointed not bringing over a proper team. No one ever likes to go out. Say you're Billy 12 Trees, for example. Like, you'd be pretty good at heading over with that side, knowing that you're going to get, you know, the guts of 60 points put on you. You didn't even score a try. Um, You kind of go over nearly with no hope. So that's disappointing. But from a squad perspective, I mean, are Gloucester there yet? And I think, you know, you'd have to say they'd be, they'd be serious underdogs to win this competition. It'd, it'd be a big turn up for the books if they went the whole way through, Will. Yeah. And I'm sure they're probably aware of that. And I think off the back of that, I'd say it's easy. It's much easier for the, the likes of them to say, OK, well, I can see why the coach is doing that. Clearly, our priority, you know, as a club is to build on, say, premiership su- success, you know. And then we kind of will look to to make that European journey all the way through. But um you know, I still think you'd be disappointed would be my own view on it. And uh, Billy Twelvetree is probably the perfect example, isn't it? Like, I mean, he's going over there, all his experience. It's a big chance to turn over Leinster at home if you, you know, bring over your full squad. Um, you know, and he doesn't have any international days left. So big, big, big European days are probably the highlight for him or should be the highlight for him. So um could see two sides to it. Um, you know, whether you're realistic or not, I always was. Look, I, I, it's probably hard for me to answer because we were always really aspirational ar- around the European competition. Will it, it took precedence for us, whereas really I think maybe the mindset might be slightly different in the UK. Um, but um, probably speculating on that, I, I still think you know the Euro- if winning the European Cup is still the highlight in in in, uh, in European competition. Yeah, I saw Bernard Jackman say that he bumped into the Gloucester coach George Skivington before the game, and you know he was mentioning the Gloucester coach was mentioning that it's you know a great chance for young guys to put their hand up. But you know, a point you've always made is like if you're making thirteen changes and sending them over to play Leinster away, like you're not going to be learning much about any of these guys. And I would have thought on the contrary, like you could be kind of setting back. Could you be setting back some of these guys' developments if you if you're kind of feeding them into a wood chipper, basically fifty seven nil against the best team in Europe or one of them? Like it can't be good to be developing young players either like oh, i completely agree will and you know my policy around that i always think you're better off mi- mixing in three or four young guys into a very experienced team or maybe even three guys you, know, you, you should do it gradually i think having wholesale changes just gives no one an opportunity uh to, to play well or, or gives you a very like small probability i think uh and i think i'd say um 
you know, off the back of that. Look, look, you have to be positive from his perspective. You've got to put your best foot forward. He knows Bernard is in the, is in the press. You know what I mean? So whatever he says to him, you always take with a pinch of salt. Um, but I think it was kind of lambs to the slaughter in the RDS. And, and, and that's what kind of transpired, wasn't it? Um, you know, Lencer, there could have been more. There could have been a far more. Um, you know, if Lencer had been a bit more accurate, I think there, there could have been that could have been a really ugly score, you know, and does it set people back? Yeah, it can, it can knock your confidence. You know, you, you look, look at the like of Leinster and you kind of say, Jesus, like I, you know, if, if they had have, say you're a young player and there's 14 of your, your frontline starters around you will, um, you know, and it's a 10 point game. I think as a young guy, you kind of go, well, do you know what? I'm actually pretty close. Like it doesn't get much higher than Leinster in, in European rugby and you get big confidence from that. But a 60 point drilling, you're kind of saying, geez, am I, am I doing the right things on a, da- on a daily basis? Like, what are Leinster doing differently? Like, is, is there that much of a gulf between us? And there might not be between the starting teams, but certainly between those two teams in the weekend, there was a gulf in class. And, uh, you know, it was, it was disappointing all around, I think. Yeah, it's funny you said you kind of hope it comes back to bite them. Just thinking back to last year, Montpellier did the same thing, ended up getting out of the group and winning the French League. So the karma gods uh, kind of didn't go back against them, but we'll see what happens with Gloucester later in the tournament. From a Leinster perspective, like anything in particular, jump out to you, just for me, just looking through some of the stats, like James Lowe scored two tries. He now has 50 tries in 68 games for Leinster. He's kind of coming up the ranks of maybe getting to the all-time record. I think Shane Horgan is, was at 69 when I looked at it earlier. Like it just, I know you like, Sometimes, you know, where, where you're playing and the opportunities you get dictates how many tries you can score. But 50 tries in, in those amount of games is some going as, as well. Like That's seriously impressive, Will. You know, he's so good going forward. He's just full of energy, isn't he? Look, he can be a little he's bit so loose at times. Isn't he? He's hard to tackle. He's got a, he's got that kind of body shape. He's so big around the hips. You know, he'd be hard to get a good shot on. He's big legs and he's look, he uses his upper body strength well as well. So, yeah, look, serious player. Great footwork. I love the ball handling ability as well. I mean, we saw that was probably we saw more of that probably obviously um, in the wrestling match that overhand one. Like he's he's not afraid to take a chance, um, and sometimes it backfires. You know, I think against some of the bigger teams, sometimes you know it can be better uh, to be you know play the percentages a little bit more because the opposition guys are in better you know better defenders, they're in better positions and stuff. And sometimes I think oh he can overdo it, but. God, I love watching him play. Like he's he is so exciting uh, with ball in hand, and even some of the trail lines. He just he's massive energy and fitness for a big guy too. So um, yeah, great to see him. I think he'll easily pass that record, provided he stays obviously at Lancer, which I think seems to love it there, and the setup seems to suit him. Um, I still look. I think just from his own perspective, like he can get caught up in that. I think he, you know it'll be brilliant for him if he if he does pass. But I still think he's got a lot of work ons in defence. You know that that match against Ulster. I mean, geez, he looked all over the place. Now I know he hadn't played in a while, so there's there's a bit of that too, will. But um, you know, he he still. I think there's more in his game. I think he can get better, which I think you know speaks to where he is at the moment because he's still classed, you know, that kind of way. But I think there's yeah. more in him and I think he'll, he will get better and better. So good to see him get on the tri-board. And look, in terms of Leinster and just directly the question, like what will Leinster learn from it? I think very little, very little, sadly, Will. Uh, and that could have been an opportunity for them. I mean, that that, that Gloucester scrum is, has a very high reputation with the front liners out, but they made mince meat of those second liners, you know, and, and that's, that was a bit disappointing. I think Leinster would like to have seen themselves against a top premiership scrum just to see, you know, how they might get on against, a, you know, a La Rochelle or another big French team later on in the competition where, you know, you know that scrum is going to be, you know, a serious area of, you know, that, that both teams will be contesting, you know, and obviously La Rochelle got the better of Leinster in that area last couple of times out. So I think that was disappointing. Um, and look, as I said, not much to learn from Leinster. 
Yeah, reading between the lines, I think we could have two good teams on Stevens Day, potentially. So that could be maybe a much better test given the last two weekends. I know they played wrestling, to be fair, a pretty strong wrestling team, but the way they kind of dismantled them as well, they're kind of just going through, kind of ticking the boxes. Even Leo Cullen afterwards, like, was just kind of really focusing on in his answer, getting 10 points from 10 and racking up that points difference. It just seemed to be really driven and focused on getting that maximum points, getting that one seed and making sure they can stay at home for the rest of the competition seems to be it's the big, big carrot, isn't it? It's a yeah. massive carrot, isn't it? Yeah, like the lads will be driving 20 minutes from the house to every match for the last three months of the season. Like it's, it, it, you know, I know it's not even the travel element. It's going to a, like a tough away venue. Like even Marseille last year, it was a neutral venue, but like, it was. It did feel like an away day as well. Yeah, no, it does. Look, and look, the danger for them is that they can kind of get lulled into maybe a false sense of security by being at home. But look, I still think, um, you know, there'll be, there'll be a big turnout for those games, for, for Leinster games. They're great to watch. Um, you know, hopefully the weather's kind of improving around those kind of qualification matches or the, or the knockout stages will. Yeah, I think they get big turnouts for them. And I think they would be, it'd be really hard to beat at home uh, over the course of, of the rest of the competition if they can get that top seed. So um, I think he's right to focus on it. And I think it's one of those things like, look, maybe that's an Irish thing that I'm saying, oh, they can't get lulled into a false sense of security with it. But look, I think over the history of the competition, you know, the, the winning away, very, very hard to do. Low percentage chance to, to do that. So uh, it's a nice card for them to chase. I think they're in great position. And look, they can only play what's in front of them. So um, yeah, look, it's onwards and upwards for them, I think. And they've got, yeah, look, you'd hope that there's a big, you know, there's a lot of guys, a lot of frontliners out for that uh, Stevens' Day game. I think that'll be important. I think it, the supporters deserve a big one from both sides. And the league needs it. It's a, it's one of the, it's, a, it's the big fixture, Will, isn't it? Yeah, the marquee game. Did, did you play many games on Stevens' Day when you were playing? Played a few, Will. Yeah, yeah. I used to hate missing those ones. I used to love playing against Munster, whether it was away or, or, or home. You know, I just think um, they were probably a little bit closer to, to us. Uh, to, sorry, to sales. Probably shouldn't be saying that as a broadcaster six years after. But they were a bit closer to our Leinster team at that stage. Um, and they were kind of, you know, they were big matches. You oh, know, yeah. they were kind of, it was a five it, or six it, year it, period when it was the best two teams in Europe almost every year. And it was like... It's it's yeah. in the top four nearly every yeah. year in Europe. Yeah. We're both semi finalists every year, and I think you know there was a period where you know if you played well on that one, it went a long way towards getting into the Irish team. So um, yeah, there was a lot a lot at stake in those games, and I used to love playing them. Well, I'd switch to the Ulster game now. You know, such a bizarre kind of sequence of events across the week. Like when we talked about it with Jonathan Bradley last week, we were going obviously. To thinking it was going to be in Ravenhill and talking about how that's such an advantage for them. Obviously, it was switched to the Aviva Stadium behind closed doors because there's kind of a an argument or a difference of opinion about whether the game should have been played in Belfast or in Dublin, but it ended up going to Dublin. Like, what, what did you make of the whole, you know, situation? And then even how Ulster handled it and managed it in terms of their performance? Oh, look, they'll be really disappointed, you know. I, like, the temptation is to really stick the boot in, Will, but I think I was very, very disruptive. And then I think there was other parts of it where, like, even the supporter situation, Will, like, that was really weird, I thought. Um, so I was really disappointed for them. Uh, I think they've had a really tough couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, no, I think they'll be hurting bad. Like, look, at the same time, like, what what will they be saying in their team room? I think they'll be saying, God, lads, like, you know, mentally, like, we've got a, we've got a few hurdles to get over here pretty quickly. Um, and I think, look, they did well to, to, to come back in that second half, but it was too little too late. I mean, that's, that's kind of a consolation half in my mind, Will. And I think, you know, you, you just can't be, I don't think they can be as, uh, I'm not, I'm not, the word I'm, I'm going to say brittle, but I'm going to say they're like it, it's verging on a little bit brittle mentally, and I don't think they can blame the coaching staff. I think the players have to really look internally and say, well, what like why did we literally not show up 
there. Like this was a massive game. And then in the second in the second half against Leinster, look, Leinster were excellent. But even when Leinster are excellent, like you, there shouldn't be that much of a of a drop off in your own performance to allow them to score. Like Leinster ended up scoring nearly forty points against them. Like having barely, you know, having just got out of second gear really in the in the uh, at the end of the of the first half. Um, so I don't know. I think they really need to look internally. I think it's one of those ones where you nearly let the coaches leave the the room and you discuss it amongst yourselves. Say, listen, what's happening here? Why why are we doing this? We need to discuss this. How do we get over this? I think you nearly need to get the, the coaches out of the room. You know, because I think they've been doing a good job. I think you look at the 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 way Ulster play. They play a nice brand of rugby. I think they um. When they're on form, they're very difficult to beat. They're pretty stingy defensively most of the time. Um, you know, I think you look at the the recruitment and all that. I think Dan has actually done a very good job there. But mentally, they need to really have a reboot, and I think it needs to come from from the, the squad itself. Um, I know that like there was a lot of moving parts, and you would feel a bit of sympathy for that will, but it just can't be that big an excuse for you know it, it can't be that correlated to your performance in the first half. Uh, you know, the disappointment of not having it in, in Ravenhill. So. They need to have a look internally on that one. Yeah, it's, it's interesting the way you said it about like the coaches leaving the room because one thing that did jump out to me was just re- like listening to Dan McFarlane after the game and reading his quotes and how fuming he was about the whole situation. But I was just like, where was that from the playing group in terms of like, you know, I could easily maybe have seen a scenario where the whole thing kind of galvanized us even more and they were like, this is, you know, this is BS. Like we're going to go out and put in an even bigger performance now than we did. But it was the opposite and they were 29-0 down at half time, And I was like... Where was the? There seemed to be a disconnect between how Dan McFarlane was kind of ch- trying to channel it and how the players performed. Maybe it's too simplistic a way of me of looking at it, but that di- that did jump out to me. I was like, could that not have been a spark for the team? Given like Dan McFarlane was so you know bullying about it afterwards. Yeah, and it's hard to know how you use it as a motivating factor, Will, isn't it? You know, because part of you can you can kind of get into a moany kind of way about it, feel like your back's against the wall, and that can be galvanizing. But it can have the other effect where you think, you know, everything's going against you. You kind of get stroppy on the pitch. You, you know, you use it as an excuse to say, "Oh, this is why we're not kind of you know we're we're, we're we should be at home. Uh, this isn't fair." You know that kind of way. So there's two ways of looking at that, and I think I'd probably always nearly steer towards the positives kind of side of things, and and, and maybe try and avoid it, and just say, "Look, this is we're, we're in this situation." we've got to work with it and i'd probably move on but i'm not sure that's right i think there definitely is something to that backs against the wall mentality um you know and, and i've seen it work on, on teams i've played with but i've also seen it work against you so um hard to know which way you, you should have worked that will i think for for one thing that's that's definitely clear in my mind is that the players need to have a look internally and say like what's going on here why are they, why are we getting these massive massive swings in performance where we're outstanding in the second half against La Rochelle, but we're so, so poor in the first half. We're outstanding in the first half against Leinster. We're so, so poor in the second half. Like, you, you just can't have these massive swings like in between games. I was going to say week to week, but, like, in between games. It's just not right. So, um, that player group is too talented, and there's too many good... Like, there's just... And I think there's enough experience in there as well. I, I know there's a few young guys, but there's enough experience in there for them not to be having these swings and for them to be able to arrest the kind of... the decline that sometimes you see in, in these Ulster performances in-game. You should be able to stop it somewhere and say, all right, hang on hang on a second here. Let, let, let's just slow it down. Let's hang on to the ball. Let, let, you know, there's things you can do to just say, you know, uh, I think to, to kind of nearly stabilize the performance where they don't really have these moments where they can seem to be able to stabilize when things are going against them. So um, they need to have a think about what's going on there and, and, and how they can fix it um, because it's not right. You wouldn't want, like, we need Ulster to be, to be, to be playing better than this from an Irish perspective too. It, you can't have these drop-offs. 
one thing that was funny that I read about kind of given the way the game unfolded with no fans there that Ronan O'Gara who's serving his you know his touchline band was sitting behind the goal but his players could hear him perfectly because there was no one else in the stadium so he was able to kind of give uh-huh. his give his instructions to the La Rochelle lad so I'm sure I'm sure La Rochelle were delighted when the news came true that they got to play it basically in a, in a training ground atmosphere and you know they're sure they were 29 up at half time so it obviously worked out well for them but one thing I'd like to ask you you know you mentioned kind of that almost players only meeting or, or kind of like getting the players to do with it. Like, does anything in your own career, like a time, I know you played for a successful Leinster team pretty much your entire career, but when like the players still have to take that kind of bit of ownership or lock the door for a minute and just do it amongst themselves and kind of sort out a few issues. Yeah, I'd say after November in 2008, before the Grand Slam, you know, we had a nice meet. I think it was in Johnstown House and, um, you know, there was lots of kind of good stuff came out, you know, from the coaches leaving the room and, um, you know, that was very, very beneficial. We, we had lots of that in Leinster. And look, we were probably very lucky that you have the likes of Leo Cullen, you know, Shane Jennings, you know, Brian O'Driscoll, uh, Shane Horgan, all these kind of very senior guys, Felipe Contopomi. And I think they were able to kind of lead it a little bit. Uh, I don't think Ulster have that caliber of leader, but they have enough leaders to be able to say, lads, coaches out what's going on here let's put it on a board and let's put it behind us and move on and figure out ways that we're gonna we're gonna stop this happening um and i think we would have had those kind of meetings where we were kind of saying look the coaches have given us the game plan they've given us kind of a map to, to how to get there but like really we're the ones that have to do it and we're the ones that have to figure out do we really want to do this and what what what's, what's it going to cost us to get over the line i think we were pretty good at that will and i think that was why that team was successful and why was it's kind of remained successful i think that culture is there now where the players yes uh, or sorry the coaches are, are excellent but they're only providing a blueprint the players are very internally driven and i think they've probably organized that amongst themselves where they kind of you know there's enough leaders in there to say Do you know what we don't need coaches to kind of manage this thing we just need them to, to put put the game plan in front of us the rest of the mental stuff that's on us and we're going to drive that internally and i think when things are going wrong it can be a nice reset for everyone and people can get stuff off their chest because they're you know there's no way there's not a few things that people need to get off their chest in that Ulster team. You know, there'll be people who are furious and people who are... No, there is. There will be stuff that, that I think will have built up over the last couple of weeks that need to sort out. And the only way you can do that is really amongst yourselves. Um, because it's quite clear to me that Dan has done a very good job up there. Um, so I think it's on the players now to have a look internally and, and say, like, why aren't we achieving what we need to achieve? Um, so, yeah, that's that's my view on that one, Will. And, and that, that, they're the kind of the, the moments that probably stuck out. We always did those, those player meetings nearly at the... Um, at breaks in the season maybe when we kind of came back from say international breaks and at the start of the season when we kind of were when all the internationals were back in and we were kind of goal setting for the year um, so I think there's probably a bit of value and maybe the Ulster guys thinking about doing something like that yeah and they don't have an easy fixture this coming up they have Connacht away on Friday night and then they have Munster it's in Raven Hill but a kind of a more resurgent Munster so they have those two games before they go back into their European campaign so like if they don't fix things quickly or, or get back on, on the right track it, it could be a very lean couple of weeks heading before they kind of break again for a lengthy Six Nations break and during the Six Nations they might have to go and play that rescheduled Sharks game from when the play, the, the, the team had uh, I think it was at E. coli you know earlier in the season so it's been a pretty disjointed and disruptive season and, and, and a, a, a tough couple of weeks for Ulster but just you know I mentioned Munster there we had touched on the Northampton game last week said it was a potential banana skin but they went over there and I know there was a couple of flashpoints that got a lot of attention but uh Ultimately, you know, they got their two tries, they built their lead, and then, to be fair, they defended really, really well towards the end of the game, although Craig Casey probably should have given away a penalty try, but they got the job done. Yeah, really pleased for them. I think, um, you know, 
certainly not the finished article, but I think there was more pressure this week, in my mind, on, on this performance away in Northampton than there was against Toulouse, who I think are just further along the line in project and just where they are, you know, the, the established internationals, etc. Um, so I think, you know, they got a bit of a break last week, which is what I probably said on the, I think we said that in the podcast, and I think they probably deserved a bit of a break on in, in terms of the performance. You know, they got a performance, but not the result, which, you know, previously, the last 15, 20 years in, in Munster, be unacceptable to have a loss at home. But they got away with one last week, you know, in terms of the media coverage, etc. And I think Northampton was one where I was kind of saying, okay, has there been progress? Because I think that'll kind of confirm it. And I think, think they can be really, really pleased with that. It's something to build off. Would have been very, you know, a big, like that that win against Edinburgh as well a couple of weeks ago, Will. Like they're, they're big moments for this Munster team, I think. And I think it's something for them to build. I mean, and, and it's easier to do it at home. Doing it away is where you really build belief um, and you build that consistency. So I think it's very important for them. I was really pleased for them. As you say, the defensive effort at the end, while they rode their look at times, um, you know, I think they can be really pleased with that, and, and it was uh, it was excellent. And I think they go into this now this this run of uh, interpros. Um, I would I would say confident, and I think they'll certainly look to be taking a scalp at least um, with two teams who probably before the November internationals they would have thought are way ahead of us. But I think uh, you know when they reflect on it now, they'll say mm, I actually think it might be it mightn't be as far away as as we thought it was. And as well, we've got to remember they've got some guys coming back into the group as well. Uh, Will, which I think will be very helpful. Some experienced guys, your Conways, your your Earls, these guys. I think that'll give them a lift too and a bit of confidence. So um, I think they're in good. They're in a good position, and I think um, they'll be they'll be very tough to to get wins over. I think coming out if they can perform like they performed in Northampton. It is funny how much things can change and how quickly it can change. And I know Ulster and Munster, you know, the manner of their defeats have been different. Like, as you mentioned earlier, Ulster have had these dramatic swings. Munster just weren't really firing generally. But just in terms of how, like, one big win or, or one little spark can kind of, like, get it, the confidence back into the squad again. Like, it doesn't have to, like, always be this, like, really long-term thing. It can be a short-term fix, and you can kind of get a bounce from that. Big time, Will. You know, and confidence is a fickle thing. And I think... um it, it, that works both ways, and I think that South Africa A match was a real was a real boost for them. I think, um, you know, there's been lots of pressure on in Munster, you know, around you know, you're not are they getting the same crowds in all this kind of stuff. Uh, performances obviously below, lots of change in staff, some kind of weird stuff you hear about, you know, the contract situation and how they've been working those things, and um, you know, some of the injuries that they've had to key guys in their squad. Will so I think there was lots of things working against them for a long time, but that could be the thing that this kind of spark that ignites them. Um, I still think they're going to be behind Leinster, but I think they might be catching up. They might catch up quicker than we think uh, if they can kind of keep building and building as they are as they have so far. Um, like it's a great club down there, great support, and I think um, you know Munster should be right up there with Leinster. Uh, in, in my opinion, it's a brilliant club. Um, so it's good to see a bit of a resurgence there. And as you say, that little bit of that that spark maybe I think could be there for them now. And I think if they got you know one out of two with maybe a bonus point in the other game, I think that'd be a really productive little uh, interpro period for them, Will, and they can be very confident going into that last round of uh, of the Heineken Cup that they'd be able to get through to the to the knockouts. You know. What did you think of the decision to kind of have Carberry and Jack Crowley 10 and 12? Yeah, I thought it was interesting, wasn't it? I, I wasn't so sure about a pre-game. I thought it might be away from home. I always try and be I probably a bit more defensive in mindset, Will. Um, and I think, um, you know, that would have concerned me a little bit as kind of an axis where you would have said, if I was Northampton, I'd have been attacking that all day and really trying to put like, you know, put the he- put your heavy runners into that space and tire them out and, and kind of bully them. 
Um, but that never really transpired. I thought the guys were very good. Um, I thought they ran. The, it's, you know, it's great. If you can get two generals on the pitch, like why not? And both of them are actually quite elusive as well, Will. They're, they're decent ball carriers themselves, so they have a bit of threat there. Um, but the ball carrying ability that you get from the, or the, sorry, the ball playing ability that you get from two of them really opens up the pitch for you. Um, and it means when you kind of got those two generals on the pitch um, working alongside each other, it's easier to kind of implement your attacking game plan, isn't it? Because they'd have really deep understanding versus say a center is probably you know an out and out center probably has a bit of a different understanding to the game as to how uh you know an out half would an out half would have a way wider picture of, of what needs to be who needs to be where you know what we're trying to achieve all over the pitch whereas a center probably just knows where you know where his involvements are it's a different mindset will and you're probably getting up for the game more physically than say you are into you know kind of on a, on a mental basis versus a 10 you know it's, it's so mental isn't it um and uh, yeah, I think it worked well for them. Uh, I don't know if the future's there for them, Will. If I'm being completely honest, um, you know, I like to see, I love to see Crowley on the pitch because I think, you know, Ireland need to see him on the pitch. He needs minutes, and he's certainly got the quality. I think. Um, so I think it's good from that perspective. But I just don't know. I I I still like to have to, a very physical centre co- combination. Um, you do need to have a ball player in there somewhere, but I think you can make up for that if you've got a ball playing 15 or, uh, you know, which I think Zebo might fill that role or a ball playing kind of winger like a James Lowe. Um, you know, I still like to have that really physical kind of defensive mindset maybe in, in, in the centres. That, that could be right or wrong, Will. But I think in the big games, that always, I think, tells. Um, and I think you look at England, the likes of England I think, are getting punished for that at the moment. That 10-12 axis that doesn't really have that one of those guys being very physical, um, I think it does does matter in the big games against the bigger teams. Um, particularly the French ones is probably what I have in mind for the for the um, you know, the club rugby. Yeah, just as an aside, like obviously Steve Bortwick was announced or confirmed as the head coach. I would be interested to see what he does with that 10-12 axis, because Eddie Jones obviously, you know, really did like having Ford and Farrell, and then more recently Marcus Smith and Farrell. But you know, given how Steve Bortwick has picked his Leicester team, I feel like he will go back to having just like own Farrell at 10 and two kind of more traditional centers. Yeah, well, I think that's still the best team that they have. I mean, I love watching Marcus Smith play. I think he'd be brilliant from the, off off the bench from for them. You know, if they're if they're if they're behind, uh, or if they need to make you know someone to make things happen, I think he'd be brilliant there. But I just think Farrell, I'd always be picking him there. And I'd, if you can pick Slade, depending on fitness and too laggy, that's still I think their best combination because you get a bit of everything with Slade. Is that guy who gives you the physicality, but he also has that ball playing ability. Will. Um, so I think that's their best combination personally. Um, I know lots of people disagree, and I think you want to have your better, you know, as many of your good footballers on the pitch as possible. But I just think in the big games, I just think you're going to get bullied in that ten twelve with with uh, Smith and Farrell. Whereas if you have Farrell and Slade and Tulagi, like you're just physically, you're defensively, you go straight away to being, mm, are they a bit suspect at ten and twelve to being, wow, that's a seriously solid like front line. Uh, 10 12 13 combination i mean i don't know how much pay we're going to get if we go down there would be my that, that that's just how i view it will i don't know how you how you see it um but i i, I just think as well i think farrell's kicking is better as well um you know, under pressure he's more proven um and i just think he runs the game plan has the respect of the team a bit more so that's 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 my view i i, I just i'm a big farrell fan and i'd have him at 10 yeah, and I do think Marcus Smith did his best work in the autumn when the game broke up in the last quarter as well. Like that All Blacks comeback was yeah. basically, you know, he was the one who sparked it. So that'll be one of the many interesting things to, to see what Steve Orthwick does when when he gets in, come to Six Nations. But just before we finish up, we didn't touch on Connacht last week. Obviously, they're in the Challenge Cup and not the Champions Cup, but two very impressive wins to start their campaign, you know, especially winning in Breve on Friday night. Like I know Breve are kind of at the bottom of the top 14, but still never easy to go to France. And, 
you know, likewise to, you know, the Champions Cup final being in Dublin, like the Challenge Cup final is as well. It's a massive card for, you know, Connacht, for Andy Friend, maybe in his last season to get to a final in Ireland. There'd be a great Connacht fan base there. Like, I, I think it's something they should really be targeting because I'd say they probably have a better chance of winning that than they do at this stage of maybe getting into the playoffs in the URC ahead of, you know, the South African teams, the other Irish provinces. So I, I definitely wouldn't be like kind of saying, oh, we'll rest all our guys for the Challenge Cup. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, and I think it'd be a nice way for him to cap off what's been, a, you know, I think a pretty impressive tenure. Um, I would say um, they're going really well. I'd say Ulster be worried about going down there on the weekend. I think it's, um, they found a bit of form, haven't they? And I think their defensive has really improved. I know they're still struggling a bit in attack. You know, if you look at the overall picture this year, that's probably the biggest drop off. But I think if you look at the start of the season, they were just leaking way too many points. Um now, I think Bundy Aki really makes a big big difference and obviously Mack Hansen to that attack and they haven't been around as much this year so far. Um, so maybe that does improve naturally with those guys there, Will. Um, but look, really impressive win over in Brief. I think they'll be really formidable now, I think, going forward. I think they, like Connacht was always a team on the last couple of years where you're kind of saying, Jesus, they, they can play some serious rugby and they can be pretty stingy if, if, if they need to be. They're a difficult team to beat. I think that wasn't the case at the start of the year, but I think they've really turned a corner and I think they're uh, they're in really good shape. I wouldn't rule out them going on a run uh, at home and building on that and actually possibly having a bit of a playoff run. I wouldn't rule it out. I, I don't, I'm not unbelievably confident on that. Um, but if Ulster don't like arrest that decline they're on at the moment quickly, uh, you know, if Munster, you know, just, you know, there's a chance they fall back if they get a few injuries. I still think there's a big if if they get a few injuries to key guys. Will I think Munster will still be impacted by that? I still think their squad's just a little skinny for my liking. Um, but look, if they keep everyone fit, I think they should they should be they're still ahead of Connacht in my mind. But um, I wouldn't rule it out. I think Connacht are in a great place. I think they'll be very difficult to beat down the sports ground for for Ulster now this weekend. And um, I think they can be really pleased with how they've turned things around. Um. So yeah, no. Well done to them, and, and, and like an away win in France. I know you said they're bottom of the league, but I've played Brieve when they were pretty low in the in the in the league down there. It's a tough, tough place to get a win, and and you know what French teams are like. You know the president coming into the change room before and after, talking about maybe people not getting paid if you don't get a win. Like it, they're they're mo- they're highly motivated at home. Let's put it sure. that way. Um, no matter who's coming there. So um, yeah, well done to them. And they go in, they can win with a huge amount of confidence. Maybe take a big scalp down the sports ground this weekend. Yeah, and getting the two victories in their first two pool games sets them up nicely potentially to win all four, which means knockout games potentially in the sports grounds which they'd be great occasions they also are good money spinners as well you know kind of extra bonus games that probably weren't written into the uh, budget beforehand but on that note I'd like to thank Luke Fitzgerald for joining me this week and for joining me throughout 2022 we'll be back in the new year with more left wing podcasts in the meantime you can subscribe to us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts so until next time thanks for listening and goodbye This is an Irish independent podcast.